So we are now back in Luke. After a brief hiatus. Um, so our sermon text today is from Luke 22 verse, Luke 12, 22 through 31, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 12, 22 through 31. I'm not going to be preaching on all of this because there's too much in there, but I couldn't figure out how to cut it apart and still remain fidelity, or remain faithful to it. Maintain fidelity, that's the word I was looking for. Um, Luke 12, 22 through 31. So we're going to probably talk about this for two weeks. Luke 12, 22 through 31. And I read in Jesus' name. It's found on page 1108 in your Black Pew Bible. And he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you, who are not able to do such a small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Let us pray. Father, as we study this text, we ask that you would teach us to seek your kingdom first. Lord, that your kingdom might come to us in new and in greater ways. Lord, that we might trust you that we might be changed and made like you through your word, for your word is truth. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are going to be talking about lies. But lies specifically that drive us to be anxious. Um, and usually, usually when pastors talk about anxious and anxiety, we tie that together with worry. Now, the way that our culture interacts with that is a little bit differently, and so I'm going to try to interact with it according to the way that our culture interacts with anxiety and worry. Now, both anxiety and worry are fearful. They, they, are, they come out of fear. At some level, they're coming out of fear. And as we talk about worry, we're talking about a very low level but pretty consistent fear. So if you guys ever, all right, I'm going to take a step back. Where does panic fit into all of this? So panic is you come to a situation that is unexpected, and you have a rush of adrenaline, and you don't know exactly what you're going to do at the moment. That's panic. Is there anything wrong with panic? Well, not that I can tell, because when you interact with a novel situation, that's when you panic. When you interact with something that's new, it's novel, it's what you weren't expecting, 
And so panic happens there. It's what you do with it at the next step. Because panic oftentimes is quite physiological. It, it's in our bodies. That's physiological. It's within our bodies. Psychological is within our minds. Um, so then as we interact with panic, we need to bring that to the Lord. That's our first step. We bring that to the Lord. And that's how we properly deal with panic. Okay, Lord, what are we going to do in this situation now? I didn't see that one coming. What are we going to do? Lord, what are we going to do? When do we say, Joe, what are we going to do? Then you got the wrong God. This guy can't figure it out. So that's panic. Panic is not worry. They're different because worry is consistent. And so when we're talking about worry, we're talking about something that we're living in, not something that we experience acutely, like it's here and then it's gone. That's panic. That's fine. Bring that to God. Worry is what I do when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I wake up and remember that there's something I haven't done, but I don't really want to get up. And so now I'm laying in bed thinking about it instead of either A, going back to sleep, or B, just doing it. That's worry when I'm living in that in-between zone at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm guessing that none of you ever experienced that. Um, but that's worry. Or what, what if that person, it's usually those what if questions. What if that person took what I said wrong and now they're mad at me? Or whatever. I, I don't, there's just too many. What if I'm not going to have the ability to, to pay for that bill when it comes? Or what if I'm going to have a bill that I don't have the money to pay? You know, that we live within that. When we're living in that, that's worry. Now, anxiety, what is anxiety? Anxiety is often tied to worry. Now, there are going to be people in our world that are, I'm going to use some big words here, that are physiologically predisposed, predisposed, come on, Joe, sorry. Mark kept me up late last night. It's his fault. Um, Physiologically predisposed to have higher levels of panic when you interact with the world. And so you're going to have a greater tendency just because of the way that your body is made to have more worry. Does that mean that you're off the hook for worrying? No. That means that that's one of the crosses that you're going to have to bear. You're going to have to battle more than somebody like me that doesn't have that tendency. And that's life because I'm going to have battles that other people aren't going to have. You know, I have a tendency, I'll just be honest, I have a tendency to pursue novelty. That's one of my struggles. And that's a danger. Novelty is great in some ways. It's really bad in others. Because you're always asking the question, well, what else is out there? Is there a different way to do this? Could I figure out a different way? Could I make this different? Could I make this new? And then people who like tradition don't like that. And so we all have things in our lives that are both strengths and weaknesses. And so anxiety is one of those. Because some people are going to be predisposed to having more anxiety. They're going to feel it to a greater degree. But what do they have to do too? They have to bring that to the Lord. Just like my desire for novelty, I have to bring to the Lord. Lord, is this good? Is this not good? Am I interacting with this properly or not properly? And so I have to constantly do that. You guys have, you have no idea how often I have to do that. Like, oh, well, what if I just do this? Like, wait, Lord, how are people going to interact with it if I do that? <laughs> and so then it's something that drives me to greater and greater prayer. And so worry, Jesus is telling us here, that's sin. So what is sin? 
living within that, living within that, instead of bringing it to Christ and handing it over to him. And that sin is based on lies. And so as, we were, as I was studying this, there's lies. Jesus is revealing lies in here. And so the first one, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. What is your, what makes your life your life? You know, that, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying your life isn't your clothes. It's not your food. It's not the external things. It's not the secondary things. Your life isn't going to get better if you have nicer clothes. Did you know that? Your life's not going to get better if you have a better car. Your life's not going to get better if you have a better house. Your life's not going to get better if you add an external thing to your life. Adding rhinestones to your pants usually doesn't make your pants last longer. Those of you who need to know that, now you do. They just make them shiny. Like that turtle in uh, Moana. Um, Sorry, now you know that I have a daughter that likes Moana. The crab, not a turtle. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate the correction. It's a crab. Oh, yeah, it's a decapod. That's what it says in the song. Uh, I don't listen. I don't watch enough Disney, I guess. I shouldn't reference it when I don't watch it. Um, it just makes it shiny. And so we're adding something external to it. It doesn't change the substance of the thing. If you add rhinestones to pants... What do they become? Rhinestone pants, you know, and then you might become a rhinestone cowboy, but no, not that song either. Come on, Joe. <laughs> it doesn't change them. It just changes the way they look. And so it doesn't change the substance, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. If I just get this, then my life will be better. It doesn't have that power. If I just get more money, then my life will be better. Then I'll have more peace. It doesn't have that power. These external things do not have the power to change your life because your life is bigger than these things. If you add new siding to your house, will that change your foundation? No, because your foundation is bigger. It's more stable. It's more solid than the siding. It might prevent water from getting into that foundation, sure. But, you know, that's a secondary thing. But nevertheless, it's still, that's more stable. And so when Jesus says your life is bigger it's more it's more substantial and so these little things you try to add they can't actually improve your life and so that's the lie that's the lie that jesus is revealing well if i just get this if i just have more of this if i just add this if if i was just in better shape if i just had more uh a, a better car not just a new one but just a better one then i'd be in better shape and i wouldn't have to worry about it no that's not the cause of your worry because if you get those things, <coughs> Satan's still got you. You're still going to worry because you're believing a lie and you're trying to actually answer it. You're trying to use the things that, we're meant, that are meant to serve us. We're trying to serve them so that they can bless us instead of looking to God to provide. We're looking in the wrong spot. And so, I'll be honest, I've worried about money. I've worried about, I've worried about all sorts of things. And when I've gotten those things, 
to try to satisfy those worries, it hasn't improved my life. Because my life is bigger. Life is bigger than these things. They don't have the power to change my life. Only Christ has that power. And so that's an important lie to point out because this is what our world says. If you get rid of, uh, I remember these billboards. I don't know why billboards stick in my mind. But when I was in college, another billboard that I had in college, or that I, I had, that I saw in college was uh, get beach body ready uh, varicose vein surgery or something. And it was, you know, it was just a short thing. And it, I was driving by and it's like, so what they're saying is you'll be happy if you get varicose vein surgery. You know, I don't, I don't know a lot about the female psyche. I don't know if guys deal with that, but I don't know about the female psyche, but usually when one thing gets fixed, then they start thinking about another thing. I see a bunch of heads nodding. Okay, so I was actually correct. Thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> that's not going to fix your life. So any of these one things you're pointing at, they're not going to fix our lives because our lives are bigger. Secondly, it's the second lie. I don't matter. God doesn't care. So what does that look like? Consider the ravens. The ravens. Think about ravens. Because everybody loves ravens, right? They're my favorite bird. They're so cool. Uh, no? They're black. Yeah, they're usually seen as things that are dirty. They're scavengers. They're carrion birds. No, they're important and they're very intelligent. But nobody looks at ravens and like, that's what I want to be my spirit animal or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. Consider those which are dirty. These which are, they're not clean. They're not able to be offered as sacrifice. They're unclean animals. Consider those. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? How much more value are you? So as we live in this world, oftentimes the world says, you aren't valuable unless you can or unless you do. In our culture especially, that weight is put on what we do, what we're able to produce. I don't know how many people I've spoken to in the nursing home, in assisted care, in hospice. I just have no place in this world because I can't do what I used to be able to do. Right? You know what that is? That's a lie about value. The lie about value that Jesus' era was talking about is if you have, then you are valuable. If you possess, you are valuable. The lie that we have in the American culture is if you do, you are valuable. If you produce, you are valuable. Those are both lies. Because the truth is, our value is not dependent upon what we possess, nor is our value dependent upon what we produce or how good we produce it. Those are lies. And we need to confess them as lies. Because then we worry, what are people going to think about me when I fail? Have you guys ever thought about that? I have. What are people going to think about me when I don't do as good of a job as they want me to do? Oh, now I'm living up to their expectations. That's a lie. Because that's not where my value comes from. 
My value doesn't come from what other people think of me. My value doesn't come from how much money I have in the bank. My value doesn't come from those things. God values you, therefore he provides. Well, if I don't do it right, we were, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they were, they were talking about how, um, how they made a bad decision in their life. They, they bought a car they really shouldn't have bought. And they knew that it wasn't the right car. God was kind of prompting them that it wasn't the right car, but they really wanted it, and so they went ahead and bought it, and they had nothing but problems with this vehicle. But yet, you know what? God still provided for them. So even when they made the wrong decision, did God say, all right, I'm done. You messed up. You didn't listen to me. I'm done with you. Did God do that? No. Why? Because their value was greater. God continued to provide, not because they were perfect, but because God values them. And that's the truth. It's hard to think about, but this is reality. God values you. Not for what you do, not for what you have, not for what you possess, not for what, how good you do what you do either. Not for your performance or your position. Those things are not the things that make you valuable. God just says you are valuable. Due to his creation and his declaration. And if that's not enough for us, then we're never going to be able to find it in this world. And so we worry why? Because we don't believe God. Because we believe a lie. And so then what do we do? God, forgive me. I've been living according to a lie instead of according to your truth. The third lie then that we're going to talk about today, and there's more, so as I was reading through that, I'm like, this is going to take three weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Like, there's a lot of stuff in this passage, and I feel like I'm just breezing through these things and not going more deeply, but whatever. Um, and which of you, by being anxious, by allowing, so the, there's a difference by, about doing, so you are worrying, that's an action. Here Jesus says, by being. So now we're talking about a different level here. You're you're going to try, you're going to use anxiety to the degree that it epitomizes you, that it becomes who you are. You are going to become anxious. Not have anxiety. You know, there's a difference, right? I have a truck. I am not a truck. There's a difference. One is the thing that I possess. One is the thing that I am. And so, you are being anxious. You have given yourself over to anxiety. Is this tool powerful? How powerful is anxiety? Even if you gave yourself 100% into worry and you became anxiety, it is what epitomizes you. It is what you have embraced as, your, as the way of being. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Does that make sense? Like even if you did that, what good would it do you? How much power does it actually have? How much power does that anxiety have to change the world? 
can anxiety even add one day to your life? Doc, is ang- are the most anxious people the ones that live the longest, according to medical science? No. It's a very thorough answer. Thank you. <laughs> it shortens our lives, right? And so Jesus is saying here, what good is his anxiety really going to do for you? Because anxiety's lie, it says, I'm powerful. I will help you. I will give you the strength. I will give you the ability. I will give you the guidance. I will give you the direction. Just give yourself over to me. Just give yourself over to me and you will have peace. But what happens when we give ourselves to anxiety? No peace. It steals everything from us. It takes from us our joy. It takes from us our relationships. Isn't it fun being around someone who's always worried? I, sh- I just love that. It takes from us those relationships, because this is what sin does. This is what Satan does. He steals, kills, and destroys. So if we give ourselves over to his tools, what happens to our lives? He steals, kills, and destroys. And so anxiety's lie is, I am powerful, give yourself over to me. But which of you, by being anxious, by giving yourself over to it completely, can even expand your life? You don't have that power. It doesn't have that power. So if you give yourself to the passions of this world, give yourself to worry, give yourself to anxiety, instead of fighting against that, instead of believing the truth, trusting in Christ, giving yourself back to him, back to him. And you know what? You might have to do that a thousand times in a day. But there's a, there's a, uh, a saying within the meditation community. I, I used to read a couple, I've read a few of those books now. I read a lot. It's really strange. Um, that must be where my kids get it from. But their, their saying is, if you have a monkey mind, so if you're trying to meditate, and your mind jumps all over the place. Have you guys ever been praying and then just had a whole bunch of thoughts come into your head? They call that the monkey mind. And it's just jumping all over the place. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of Theodore. Um, right, Teddy? You can try to hide behind Mark, but I can still see you there. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about that monkey mind is it gives you all sorts of opportunities to recenter. So I look at that as a Christian, and I was like, oh, it gives me all sorts of opportunities to come back to Christ. And so when I worry, who am I supposed to give myself over to? Worry or Jesus? Now this worry becomes a friend because it reminds me to come back to Christ. I don't live in it, but it's a prompt. Do you know that God has given you fear? It is a gift. It is not meant to be your Lord. It is meant to be your servant to bring you back to Christ again and again and again. Because if you give yourself over to it, it has no power. But if it reminds you to come to Jesus, that's who has power. Then it's doing its proper work. So we come back to Christ. I might have to come back to Christ a thousand times in a day. I I know some of you have a tendency to worry more. You know what that means? You're a bad person. No. Don't take it that way. It means that you have the privilege to come back to Christ more and more and more because your value is not dependent upon your holiness. That's not why God values you. 
It's dependent upon him. What he says, what he has declared. So then what do we do? We come back to Christ. Does that make sense? So what is anxiety? Anxiety is fear that we live in. Worry is fear that we live in. Anxiety is our physiological tendency. I'm not going to try to use the word predisposition because I keep messing it up today. It's our physiological tendency to live in fear, to have more fear, to experience more fear, and to experience it more deeply. That's our tendency. If you have anxiety, what does that mean? You need to come to Christ more often. Drop these things into Christ's lap more often. Because that fear is not meant to be your Lord. It is meant to be your servant to lead you to Christ. And when fear takes over, that's because we're believing lies. And here are three of them. And those lies are, if I just add more, then I'll have joy. I can't get it. Now I have to fear. God doesn't care about me. It's a lie. Fear is powerful. It's only powerful when it leads you to Jesus. Any questions? Kevin. Mm. Well, that's a good question. So, I would say the answer to that question is everybody does care. It's just oftentimes we care about the wrong things. We put our care, we put our energy, we put our value into the things that actually cannot return investment. And so if I'm going to put my value, if I'm going to put all of my care into pursuing ease, it's not going to return that investment. It's not going to give me ease. It's actually going to create bitterness. It's going to create frustration. And so... If I, if I care about Christ, if I seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus says, you want a sure, so I'm going to put this into financial terms. You want a sure investment? Seek the kingdom of God, and it will provide for you way more than anything else here. If you want a failed investment, put all of your energies, all of the gifts that God has given you into an earthly thing, and it will fail you. That is a junk bond. And so if I'm seeking ease, if I'm seeking, if I'm even seeking peace, if I'm seeking joy, if I'm seeking rest and relaxation, if I want that to be my life, it's not going to return it. I can pursue it all day long and I'm not going to find it. Because have any of you ever had a vacation planned and then not had it go according to plan? <laughs> Lon's like, nope, mine are, I never planned them. No. <laughs> I always plan, there you go. Yeah, Lon's wise. He plans for the worst. And then sometimes it, it doesn't manifest. Um, but yeah, we, we, have, we have hopes. We have dreams. Like, oh, if I just do this, then things are going to be easy. And then something else comes and sideswipes that. What just happened? 
my plans failed because I invested myself into the things of this world and they are not true investments. And so God cares for me. Why should I care? I tell you, you do care. Everybody does care. Everybody does. It's just, am I going to care about something that returns that care? Or am I going to care about something that doesn't? If I care about the kingdom of God, it's going to return to me everything. If I care about money, it's going to return to me fear, worry, bitterness, frustration, anger, loneliness, isolation, hopelessness. If I'm going to care about friendships, they're going to... Have you ever invested in someone and then had them not return that investment? Put a lot of time and energy and love into someone and, and care? And then just had them leave? Had them reject you? People do that. Well, I'll just care about people. People are valuable, right? I'm just going to care about people. No, you have to care about people for the sake of the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then that investment, because all of your work... Grace, what was that passage that you quoted the other day? I'm going to call you out because you had the right one. Yep, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. She's got it memorized, folks. She just doesn't want to prove it. Nothing you... I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And so, when we, we care, everybody cares. God has made us to. That's the way that God has created us to be. So when someone looks like they don't care, what they're really doing is they're pursuing ease. They're, that's what they're pursuing. And that's often titled laziness, but whatever. So they're pursuing ease and as they pursue ease, that ease is not going to respond back. It's not going to give them what they're pursuing. It's just going to give them more work. Because it's, is it easier to maintain something or not maintain something? In the short run, it's easier to not maintain something. That's a lot of work to change the oil in the car. But you know, after 20,000 miles, it's going to be a lot harder to walk everywhere. Right? So what does ease do? It returns ease in the short run, and it just gives you more work in the long run. Does that make sense? Does that answer the question, Kev? And so then all of these things in our world, they actually are, Satan gives us lies about them. So if you just had more ease in your life, you'd be happier. You'd have more joy. Well, no, if I had more Christ in my life, I'd have more joy. If I had more ease in my life, it would probably cause me problems down the road. So any other questions? Good, that was a good question, Kevin. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you do care. We thank you that you have cared so much for us that you point out these lies so that we don't actually have to live in them, but that we can confess them as lies and hold fast to your truth. And I pray that we would hold fast to your truth. Lord, that life is more than what we wear, that we are of more value, that you will provide for us, Lord, and that fear is not powerful unless it draws us to you. If it draws us back to ourselves, then it is powerless because we are. Lord, and so I thank you for these truths. 
And I pray that you would guide us to walk in them. Lord, that we might experience to a greater degree your love and your care. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.